Hey, this is Steve with High Stakes with Steve Rosenberg. Look, we all know that life is not about a rule book and someone to tell you what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong. And if you're an entrepreneur, there is no one to tell you anything until you've probably done it wrong. This show is all about learning from the people that have gone down the path to show you what you can start doing. So please make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to this channel. And if you want to know more information, go to my website, steverosenberg.com, and check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of High Stakes with Steve Rosenberg. This is where we talk about real business, real life, and more important, real situations. Now, the guy that I have today, I have to say, is probably the first person I've met that is more, I don't want to say, well, he's definitely more connected than me, but just more of a social I guess social butterfly is the way I would say it, but very successful at what he does. And I just love his story. He has a book. Uh, we can talk about his book, but more importantly, today what I want to do is I want to talk about him. I want to talk about what drives someone like him to, to make these connections. Are they, are they for personal gain? Are they to, to battle off something as a, as a, as a kid that no one liked or what, what was the reason that got him to where he is and, and to keep moving every day. Uh, we have a, shared passion of both riding motorcycles. He lives in the town that I grew up in, which is Los Angeles. So I'm a little jealous that he gets to do what I cannot do as well here in Texas, which is ride along Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, so that's always a beautiful thing. So first of all, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell everybody who you are and what you do, because I probably will butcher if I tried to say your resume. So I, I, I would rather you say it. Do you know I'm going to, and then I'm going to call you out as being wrong. Okay. Which is probably the worst way to start an interview. No, but I, I mean, think, it's good. I think you'll respect why I'm going to do that, and especially your listeners will. Okay. So I was an East London bricklayer, then I became a doorman. Uh, then I ended up working as a Mr. Fix-It to the richest people in the planet. Bottom line of it is, I grew up with no money. I wanted to know how to get money. So I started finding a reason to hang out with people with money. I got them into, it started off by just getting them into the you know, VIP lounges of a club or a bar. And it went from that to ending up working for the Grammys, the Kentucky Derby, Formula One, Ferrari, Tiffany, Piaget, the Grammys, uh, Sir Elton John's Oscar party. It just, I just took it as far as I could and became known by Forbes. Forbes actually gave me this title. They called me the real life Wizard of Oz. Huh. So I put people on stage with their favorite rock band, got them drum lessons by Guns N' Roses. I even shut down an entire museum, the Academia de Galleria in Florence, which is the famous museum that houses Michelangelo's David because a client wanted a fancy dinner. And I took over the entire muse uh, museum set up a table of six at the feet of David. And then for shits and giggles, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him while he was eating his pasta. So that's what I did. And then five years ago, I wrote the book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Now I coach, teach, train, how people can do that for themselves. All right, I'm waiting to hear where I'm wrong. <laughs> Good. I'm not a social butterfly. You see, the first thing really? that motors... Yeah, absolutely. All bikers have one shared commonality. Everyone thinks that bikers love riding bikes because the wind's in their hair. You know, not me and you, but the wind's in their hair. They get to smell the, and they get all of that. But I think the number one reason bikers love bikers is because they spend time alone. 
It's the only place in the planet, you can't even do this shit on a plane anymore, where you completely disconnect. No one can suddenly text you and say, hey, can you pick up my laundry? You know, can you drive by and pick up the dog? Oh, can you grab some coffees on your way home? You can't do any of that stuff. Right. For an hour, you completely disconnect from the planet. And as business owners, we need that moment. Now, I'm actually, and this is going to sound strange since you've just set me up like it, I'm an introvert. Okay. I don't like going out. I live up in the hills. I don't have a car. I ride motorcycles. I couldn't have a dinner party for 20 people here in Los Angeles if you paid me because I don't know 20 people in Los Angeles. All right. Quite I, I, I got to Okay. Let me just, let me break this down here for a second. So I 100% agree with you on the motorcycle riding because okay. I, I am, it, it is so cathartic. When you're yeah. on a bike and I've, I've ridden solo from Texas to Sturgis and back and, you know, just put, I put on a lot of miles on my, in my life uh, on two wheels and I love it. And I, you know what I tell people that, and you, you can appreciate this. I say, when you're in a car driving, it's like watching a movie when you're on a motorcycle, you're in the movie. And, and your, your brain just, you, you just get to really relax. And even, you know, I ride with, with people. And even when you're riding with someone, you're in your own thoughts. As long as you don't bump them on the road side by side, you're pretty much by yourself. You're not talking. You're not having a conversation. Maybe when you stop to take a leak and get gas. But other than that, you're, you're just doing your thing. And it's so, so nice, man. I got to say, just getting lost in your thoughts and just thinking through life and things that you realize are not important. I mean, this is obviously long rides when you're, you know, in downtown LA traffic, you're, you're not thinking yeah. that, but is, do you get the same feeling when you're on a bike? Oh, 100%. You're gone. You, it, it's like, I, I don't want to get spiritual, but it is that moment of you. In fact, sometimes those conversations can be quite, quite deep with yourself. You know, I've gone on rides when I'm working on a project. By the time I've come back from the ride, I've scrapped the project. Because I've been questioning myself, talking to myself. Me and my wife, you know, I met her when, when we were both real young. And the first date we ever had was on a motorbike. So she's always been on bikes. We've got, and we're very spoiled, okay? I've got 18 motorcycles ranging from like 19, my oldest one I think is 1962, ranging up to like race bikes. So I've got lots of different bikes. I've made sure I've got all the top notch, but the only thing I've never purchased is a communication system. When we're on the bike, she'll hug me. If she wants to pop over, she'll squeeze my leg. You know, whatever, you know. I don't want to be chatting to someone or having a call coming in. Yeah, I, I, have I, I have not and will never buy a communication system on a bike. I, I agree. And what one last subject on the motorcycles, which you can appreciate. So, uh, you know, being an airline pilot, I travel a lot and I've been to London many, many times. Uh, one of the best Harley shops I've been to was Wars. Is it Wars? Wars. Yeah. Road. yeah. What a great, what a great museum about, about Harley and how they were involved in the war and how they yep. helped out. Like, this is something people don't even know about history. You know, you tie that in with motorcycles. And I was like, how come more people don't know about this? And they said, well, you know, if you're a biker and you, you know, if you're, if you're over in the UK, you do. But other than that, you don't. I just thought, man, that is such a, I always remember <laughs> going there. A great place. It is a great place. But to get to your introvert thing again, I want to make sure that everyone's out there. There's a lot of people that think, well, you get to do what you do because you're so much this and you're so out there. And the bigger you said about speaking, we all speak 
Do you get a little bit nervous just before you speak? And then do you try to get off that stage quick so you're not getting all the photographs? Or so? do, are you like that? No, I'm kind of a camera whore, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've got to admit, I, I don't. You know, when I'm about to go on stage, I'm all kind of like, you know, jittery, which is good. Nerves are a good yeah, thing. Keeps sure. you alive. Yeah. So you get on. But when I've spoken, I'm like, hey, thank you very much. Can I? And I've disappeared. I need to go and get five minutes hiding somewhere in order to compose myself. Because here's the thing about introverts. We move with purpose. Mm -hmm. Now, extroverts, hey, until the light goes off, I'm going to stay there singing. Yeah. But introverts are kind of like, hey, what's the point of me being on this stage? What's the point of me having that connection? What's the point of me entering into that relationship? And that's me. Now, I may be, and I joke about this, I class myself as a selective extrovert. When I need to be the life at a party, hey, I'll tell you a few good jokes and, you know, sing a good tune. But I'm doing it for a purpose. And so any introvert out there going, well, I can't do that. No, no, no. You already know you move with purpose. Just select what purpose you're moving towards. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a great way to put it. And I don't know if you know this. I think you and I are of age that we remember Johnny Carson from The Tonight Show. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He was an extreme introvert. And he yep. said that every night he put on the suit of Johnny Carson, zipped it up, and he went out there and he was that guy. As soon as he was done, he would take that suit off hang it up and then he was the 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 Johnny Carson that he was on you know the rest of the day mm -hmm. let me ask you this is is what you do connecting in your mind is it a job is it just a job just like any job that other people have and this is how you punch the clock proverbially no no it's 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 my chosen path of growth you see let, let's back up a little bit okay. growing up with no money i wanted to meet people with money and quite simply go, hey, how come you've got money and I haven't? Right. And I'm 240 pound of ugly. You know, asking that kind of question to, to a very successful person, it can, it can put them on their back foot. So I had to learn how to change, change and tweak that question. But this was pre-podcast. This was before Instagram was there to prove how inadequate my life was. I just knew deep down inside I've got the drive. I've got the push. I, I, I'm willing to do anything, fight anyone, do anything that's necessary. But why don't I have it? So it was literally just my way of getting the answers I needed to better my life. And that's the only reason I did what I did. Now, I think today, relationships are everything. I think tomorrow, they're going to be more than everything. And I think in a few years' time, if you don't have them, you're fucked. Yeah, so I agree. I think I think relationship capital is what you should be focusing on. So is it a job? Look, I do it because I know the better I get out of it. The trouble with calling something a job is it's straight away a mundane obligation. Right. The good thing about my, in air quotes, job is, is my mission, my job, for want of a better word, to communicate and connect with the most interesting, powerful, successful people in the planet, of which 90% of them you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I look, I, I'll, I'll say this, and I've met quite a few successful people, maybe not to the level you have, but I've, I've, I've had my share. Uh, and both people that you know and, you know, other people that you don't. 
And what I've learned is, well, number one, they're just like us. Like, let's face it, they have problems. They have, they may have marriage problems. They may have other issues. They, they still, you know, get into an argument with their kids. They, they have everyday challenges, right? They're not living in a bubble for the most part, or not living in a bubble. They, they've got insecurities. They've got things that they've accomplished, and you know, they put them on the shelf of of success. Is there, in your mind, is there a recipe? Like, if somebody's saying, "I want to be Steve. I want to be the next, you know, Australian Steve." Is there a recipe for finding these people and understanding how to connect them? Is it more of what can I do for you instead of what can you do for me? Or what is that recipe? Hey, you want to play a game? Let's do it. All right. I'm having a barbecue this Saturday night. And I say, hey, Stephen, come to my barbecue, man. You're in the air and you say, hey, I would love to be there. What's your first question? What can I bring? Bingo. Now, I urge you... And anyone else listening to this podcast, try that game with your friend. I literally, I call it the barbecue game. And I actually teach this at seminars and training stuff with companies. And I say, hey, what, and you'll get people go, oh, uh, what time does it start? Uh, Who will be there? What's the dress code? Uh, And then usually the fifth, sixth, seventh thing, you'll get the, oh, uh, what can I bring? Now, you see, here's the thing. You did it right. You got a hole in one straight off the bat. You've always got to think of any relationship I get into, what can I bring to the party? Right. So every time I've met anyone, the first thing I've done is I've checked this thing called a phone and I found out something about their life. I've Googled them. I've looked up images. I've read articles. And I can go up to them and go, hey, Stephen, how you doing, man? Yeah, I know you love riding motorcycles. I wanted to talk to you about your podcast. But I wanted to talk to you about this ride that I had found that's in your area. I wonder if that would be of interest. Now I'm piquing your interest because I've taken the time to understand what it is you like to do. And I may now be giving you something that you never knew about, yeah. you know? Or introducing you to a friend in your area who's a great biker or something. Just a good, solid person. I'm bringing something to the party. Now, backtrack. When I was growing up and I was the doorman, I would get you into the nightclub, get you into the private party, only so that I could then go over and go, hey, Stephen, did you enjoy the party last night? Yeah, I did. Now I've got capital. Now I've got equity in that relationship. And now subconsciously I've given it's now my time to receive. Now that may sound very selfish, but if you're looking to make a a connection of anyone in your area, it could be the head of the PTA. It could be the head of the homeowners association. It could be a businessman you want to talk to. It could be a girl at a bar you want to chat to do your research and then go up and offer something of benefit to them to show that you've taken the time to give first. That's how I've made every single one of my relationships. There's an old saying about getting your foot in the door. You know, anyone can get that foot in the door now. The talent is to be so important that they close the door after you and keep you in the room. That's the key. I like that. So I'm gonna gonna ask you a quiz question and I wanna see if you got the answer. So what you just discussed is what's called the law of reciprocity, right? I do for you, you do for me. Do you know who or what group actually perfected the law of reciprocity to a tune of billions of dollars? I do not. The Harry Krishnas in the airports. 
they would give you a flower That's and right, they would yeah. say, please take this flower as a gift. You take the flower and say, oh, great. By the way, we're taking donations. You give them a dollar, right? What did everyone do with that flower when they walked away? Threw it away. They knew this. They would go back and on average, they would reuse that same flower 24 times before it was unusable. <laughs> they got so good at the law of reciprocity that that's why they got kicked out of all the airports because they became the most powerful religion financially in the world because they got so good at understanding that. That's Did you know that at, at like Costco, Sam's Club, when they give you those, those samples, there's an average of a 500% return on that market on on that sampling because of the law of reciprocity same thing yep it's the exact same thing i knew about it from there um and it's, it's psychologically you give someone something and you you immediately feel indebted to it so yeah it's it, it works it works so uh, so now you can use that in your in your conversations thank Steve. you very much so let me let me uh let me ask you do you as a person, right? I mean, financially, you're good. I'm sure you make a lot of money. I'm sure you're happy. You could probably be okay staying steady. But are you always trying, I think, in, to be better? Like, are you trying to get to the next level? You went to the moon. Are you trying to get to Mars now? Or what is your MO of what you're trying to do and accomplish? Yeah, I'm, and here's a funny thing to say. I'm never good. Um, financially, if you if you want to put me in certain boxes, Yes, my mortgage is fine. Yes, my life's good. I could stop now and I will be fine. But the second you stop, you become stagnant, stink, and you die. I don't want to be that person. I always want to challenge myself. I love having conversations because there's growth. I've learned something from this podcast. The next time I do a training session, I'm actually going to give credit from that conversation that we had and how I learned this fact. You see this constant growth. There was a friend of mine, well, not was, he still is, Joe Polish. Okay, I don't know if you've come across him from the Genius Network. And he actually said to me, the definition of hell is to meet the man or woman that you could have been. Now, I'm happy where I am, but I'm not happy where I'm going until I try to get there. I always want to try something different. I want to get involved in people's businesses. That's one of the benefits of the coaching that I actually do is I get to play in somebody else's sandpit and make them better. I get to help with their challenges. So I like doing this. I want to grow. I want to expand. I want to taste. I want to fail and find out what I could have done better. So financially, yes, could stop. Mentally, can never stop. I always want to see what's going on. That's why I'm always reacting to different social platforms, different ways of marketing, different medias, different ways that we are being forced to change as an audience in the temperature of the world we're in. We've gone through COVID, war. Now there's all this big recession, depression, all of those kind of comments. And I'm sitting here going, bring it on, bring yeah. it on. So I, I, I like to challenge myself to grow. Well, you know, the way I look at life, my personal perspective is that I, I I kind of equate us to sharks in the sense that sharks don't have a destination. They're on a journey. Shark yep, doesn't yep. say, I'm going to, you know, the tip of South America today and I'm going to hang out and that's where I'm going. No, they're on a journey. I think us as, as humans, as whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I think as a person, you are on a journey. And I think that journey ends when you go in the ground, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that it's so many times we're so focused on the end result, which is important, 
we never stop to enjoy the journey. We never enjoy what look, the riding of the motorcycles to a business meeting. That's something that that's enjoying the journey. And, you know, speaking on stages, like you and I both do, we get to meet so many people. And I, I really savor that journey because to me, I'm thinking when we're all dead and done, we don't take money with us. We don't even take freedom. I get a lot of people and I coach people as well. And I'll ask people, what do you want in life? Like what in, in the standard answer is I want freedom. And I tell them, okay, let's just dissect this for a second because you could sell all of your shit tomorrow, go live in a car on the beach and you can have all the freedom you want. But what you won't have is you will not have the memory that you're wanting to create. So I don't think that we're buying freedom. I think we're buying memories. The freedom gives us the ability. Maybe it's dinner in Greece on the Mediterranean, you know, seeing the Rolling Stones in Wembley Stadium. I think it's that memories because when we're done, I mean, shit, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse, right? I mean, you, you don't get to put it in the ground with you. It's the memories that we leave Earth with. I, that's my opinion. I'm not sure what your take is. I've always said that the day I die, and they always say your life flashes before you, I want it to be so jammed that there's an intermission for popcorn. That's what I, that's what I want. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that I think a lot of people are so they're so, you know, worried about scarcity, just like, you know, watching the news and all the other crap we see people get so caught up in this. And I'm like, you're missing the journey. Like you're missing the, the day of today. You're so busy bitching and worrying about everyone else. You're forgetting that you have a life and that life is going, look, we all have an expiration date over our head. It's whether we know it or not, it's there. We don't know when it is, but it is there at some point it's time to, they're going to pull the clock and it's time to go what journey do you want to have when you're done? You know, and, and that's just my opinion, not to get, you know, philosophical, but that's just my opinion of whether you're an employee, an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. I think that being on the journey and enjoying the ride as, as you and I put it is, is part of the experience in my opinion. This, that could be, the, <clears throat> that could be the only segment of the podcast that anybody listens to. And it could be the most powerful. You have to smell the roses. There's not a day that I don't go by that I don't pour my coffee, you know, walk around on my land, play with the dogs before the day started. And I'm appreciative right. of where my life is, what I'm capable of, what conversations I'm going to get into. I appreciate every day. The downside is that when you talk about a journey, people talk about, um, oh, I'll be happy once I'm there. Mm. No, be happy where you are and be happy that you're in a position to continue the journey. Yeah. That's that's the key. So now I'm with you. You've got to spend every day and just go, I'm happy. And if you're not, change it. The trouble with you, your moods being dictated by the news is are you being directed or are you directing? You've got to be the one that focuses how happy you are. A good friend of mine, Peter Diamandis, who was the founder of the X Prize. He said to me, one of my little things is he said, I never watch the news until maybe five o'clock in the evening. Quite often, I'll never read, uh, watch the news. He said, the downside is people get up in the morning, they put the coffee on, they put the TV on for the morning news. It's doom and gloom for, for two hours. The last minute is about a three-legged dog that they managed to sew on a prosthetic leg, and now it's got four legs. And they think that that one minute of smile is going to make you forget the two hours of shit. Yeah. Why start the day in a disadvantaged mindset and then spend all your effort to get back to normal before you get on with the day? 
So open up the every day with just positivity and hope and glory. I, I agree. Now, let me ask you this on your, on a typical Steve Sims day, right? Yep. You have your coffee, you walk around um, and, and you're, you're, you know, rejoicing in who you are and what you're doing. What does a day like you look like? Like who, who's on your agenda to call? What, what does something like that look like out of curiosity? So I'll have uh, podcasts. I'll have interviews because I do a lot of media. We've got a new book called, called Go for Stupid that's coming out in October. So at this moment in time, I'm on that media wagon. Um, I'm doing a lot of coaching calls. Um, I'm speaking, so I'm planning different events. I'm actually headlining Traffic and Conversion in oh. uh, San Diego this year, and they just announced Jacko's up there with me as well. So that's going to be a good event. Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking at the kind of things that are going on. I'm also looking at the media. You know, I've got a company, Sims.media, with my son, which is really good fun, actually, working with your son in a family business. Um, being able to see how people can react and change within the world of marketing and media today. And on top of that, I also run events called Speakeasies, which is my idea of a reverse mastermind all over America. So you can see that I really try to keep my day busy. Right. And the reason I try to keep my day busy it's because I noticed something about successful people. You're right. They're all very much like us until there's one thing that they're not. And the thing that they're not the same as us is the way they value time. A lot of people are go like, oh, I finished my work. I'll go and put my feet up. Successful people are, okay, I've got an hour. What impact can I create in that hour? Mm -hmm. And that's what they'll do. They'll actually focus on, not the time that they've got, because they know they can make more money, but they also know they can't make more time. Yeah. So they focus on making sure that every hour they got. And did you know, here's a, here's a strange little thing. There were over 5 million new millionaires registered during COVID. Wow. Did you know that? That was a BBC survey that they actually did that they noticed over 5 million new millionaires were, were, had got to that status during the worst time of our life. And why is that? Because during that period, people had two choices. Hey, what can I binge watch on Netflix? Or what can I do to benefit my life? Cleaning up my business, doing an online business, starting to do more virtual stuff, starting to focus on my brand, starting to invent things. Whatever it was, they looked at how it helped them. Now, me and you, when we travel and we speak on stage, we lose two days, Yeah, you know, because you've got to fly in, you've got to get ready, you haven't got your shit around you, yep. you get up in the morning, you have breakfast, you're preparing for the speech, you do the speech, there's usually an after party, a VIP, you've lost two days. So the good point about COVID was I got all those hours back. Right. I have never had a 24-hour day of my direction. I had so much more time to be able to develop, focus, tweak, tune, make mistakes, do it again. The COVID was phenomenal for the amount of hours it gave me. And all those people out there, I pity them, that have now proudly said that they binge-watched 20 series on, on Netflix. Good for you. Yeah, no round of applause. They saved 200 bucks a week because they didn't go out to dinner. You're like, you're looking at this all wrong. And I, I yeah, yeah, rejoice. I, I agree, man. I, I've learned, you know, the, the, like you or being around successful people, you know, I remember one, one of my first mentors, I, he had 11 businesses and I was trying to run mine 
Uh, and I was like, you know, I having lunch with him and he worked Tuesday, Thursday and half day Friday. And I'm like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't understand. Like he said, you know what the answer is? And I said, I, I would love to hear what this magical word is that you do. He said, I say no way more than I say yes. He goes, as a matter of fact, the first words out of my mouth when someone asks me is no. Now he said, it's not the, the, the no that you're thinking. It could be no, I'm not doing it, but someone else can. But he said, until, and I said, well, that's easy for you to say because you're this multimillionaire with 11 businesses. And he said, you know what, Steve? He said, I never got here until I started saying no. He said, that's the fear in your mind. You feel that you are more needed than you really are. Your ego and your pride is what's causing you to not be successful because you think you're more important than you really are. And that was like, wow. And he said, that's why your phone is rang 15 times at lunch and mine is not rang once. And yeah, I thought, yeah. wow, that's a, that's a very interesting way to look. And, and he was 100% right because he had 24 hours. I have 24 hours. What's he doing different to enjoy his more? He's saying no. He's managing it. He's, he's Well, first of all, he's recognizing it. Yeah. And also, so many people look at the reaction as the actual, as the actual play. Give you an example. A lot of people, they want to lose weight and they buy the diet book and they think the diet book is going to be the thing that makes them lose weight. Without realizing it's the action of that diet book and losing weight is a reaction. You want to make more money? Don't look at your bank account. Do something and the reaction will be you will make more money. That guy became a millionaire. That guy became successful on how he managed time by first of all focusing on what he needed to do to make that a reaction. And that's where so many people go wrong. They look at the wrong, wrong end of the field. Yeah, I, 100%. Let me ask you this. What what kind of triggers do you have in your life, right? When you when you see someone and you're like, want to meet that person? Not so sure. Like, what are some of the triggers that go, okay, there's value here. I can add value to them. They can add value to me. And, and I'm guessing you, like other, I know other people similar to yourself, um, they're, they're looking maybe like a chess match. They're looking five, eight moves down the road to go, I don't see anything here for me. I'm going to connect them. And I see about nine steps later, I see maybe something, maybe something with it. Maybe not. I don't know. What are those triggers for you that say that person's interesting? I want to meet them. Well, the first thing, how old are you? Because I think we're roughly right. So I'm 55. Okay. The beautiful thing is we know that we're on, we're on the latter part of the movie now. Yeah. Okay. So my tolerance level is really low now. So when I meet someone and I'm, I'm getting these kind of gut reactions, this is a person that's you know, trying to get my attention, but is empty. This is a, there's so much BS going on. I don't, I'll kill that conversation quick. Right. Okay. I'll move it. I'm very, very harsh about where I spend my time because I know I'm not going to be able to get some more of it back the following day. Okay. So that's the first thing that happens to me. So what I look for um, in order to trigger me, is clarity. And I'm either looking for clarity or I'm looking for lack of clarity. And let me explain. If I meet someone like Elon Musk, who's doing this, 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 and this, and I know what he's doing, I can see it. I can see what you're doing. Who can help his cause get to the end goal? And that's when I'll get involved in that conversation. And then I'll meet somebody else who's good, hardworking, working 36 hours a day, and they're cluttering themselves. And I'm then realizing you've got all of the attributes, all the assets, all the talent, 
but you're using it in areas you shouldn't be. You should be learning the no metrics. You should be. And now you've got lack of clarity. And I can see through that mist that you've created and know that by be, by being part of your life, I can actually remove that clarity, give you more time, give you more smiles and give you more focus. Now I can step in. Is those people in the middle, the middle management, those people that are trying to impress you because, yeah, 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 I made 100,000 bucks last year. Yeah, I don't care. You know, I want to find out why you're doing things, how you're doing them. So I look at people with tremendous clarity or lack of it. And those are my two triggers. So do you have any advice that you've started with? Because, look, I'm sure the person you were when you first left being a bellman in London to the person that you are today, you're a different person, right? We're, we, yeah, we, yeah. we all evolve every, on a daily basis. You're probably a different person than you were yesterday. You know, you're, and I always tell people every day, you're either better or worse, and you make a decision every morning. And if you don't make a decision – you made a decision. You just don't realize it, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. So, you know, that that that's my perspective. And I'm always trying to be better. I'm cognizant of it. I, I want to be a better speaker. I want to be a better communicator. I want to learn how to communicate and, and help other people. That that's that's in my filter. So that's all I'm always focused on that. And that's always been like I've always learned that the more you communicate, the better off you will be in life in general, in whether it's financially, you know, being friends. You know, you and I ride motorcycles together. We may not know each other, but we'll get along and we'll know each other after and we don't have to get anything out of it. We just may say, let's go ride. What, what advice have you stuck with over the years that you have not wavered from? Um, I realized because I got it wrong that my gut is far more intelligent than my head. Okay. And the downside is nowadays, and it's got worse, especially with COVID and especially with the growth of social platforms is that we look at things and we check mark them with our eyeballs. Well, he's wearing a nice suit. Well, she's got a fancy watch on. Well, he's leaning up against the car. Well, they're on a private jet. They must be successful. All of those items are rentable by the minute. Okay. But our eyes are justifying it and going, yeah. Now I've met people that have got all the trinkets of success, but something's kind of like going funny in my stomach yeah. and I've gone, shut up stomach. This person's got everything I need. I'm going to get into business with them and I end up losing money and time. Okay. Money. That's an education time. That's going to piss me off. So I've now realized if I'm talking to someone, and I'm getting those little things in my stomach. Something's not right. Trust your gut reactions as animals that we are the fight or flight um, reflex in us is strong. Learn to trust him. When you get that little client, something's not clicking, walk away. You can always go back if you wish, but just walk away. So that's been something that's been very paramount in me to actually start trusting that. So I've got a couple more questions and I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, how would you say as you've grown and gotten more successful, more famous, more businesses, so now you have more people coming at you, gnawing at you, wanting a piece of you, wanting to at least, you know, hold your hand, hold your belt loop, hold something. How do you, how do you, block distractions um a distraction is a distraction it doesn't even it doesn't matter if it's a shiny car a pretty girl whatever if it's a distraction it's a waste of time okay because it's taking your eyeballs off of where you're going it's taking your foot off the gas so anything that i get involved in i i'm selfish i'm incredibly selfish as a person i always turn around and go okay 
How can this relationship benefit me? How can this help me? And that's where I, that's where I really fine tune it down. The person that wants to talk to me and is, has got all this enthusiasm, what impact can you help me with in my life? And if there is a tick box, that you can, then I'm going to welcome you in. But again, it comes down to the no. There's a lot of people that as you start getting, and I hate this word, but more famous, more well-known, higher profile, you start getting people coming to you. Right. You've got to learn the word no more than you did before that time. Hey, I love where your enthusiasm is coming from, but I don't need you in my role at the moment. You know, I wish you all the best. Maybe, and I'll say, hey, maybe go and try that person. I know an entrepreneur that's just starting up. Maybe you should partner with that person. But just like your friend said, I will actually, uh, I will send them off in different directions, but I'm very selfish. Can this person in front of me aid, assist, benefit what I'm working on? Yes or no? And if it's a yes, come into the family. If it's a no, thank you very much. I don't need that at the moment. You know, I've got a, a good friend of mine that I, I do a lot of work with, and uh, he's a big believer in givers and takers. That's what he says. Are they a giver or a taker? And, you know, yep. everybody starts off as on, on a top tier, and then we just you start seeing where they are. Are they are they asking 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 and and you know now their 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 social credibility starts going down, and they just want and they just keep taking and taking and taking. There are some people out there that you know we understand their role and their takers and that's okay and we we understand that we put them in that in that box so we know what they are. Not saying we don't do business with them, but we understand who they are, what they're about. They're takers. Okay, they're they're not acting like they're not. It's about them. I know that. Can it benefit me? And like you said, at some point in the beginning, probably you as well as myself or myself, at least I'll say, you know, there's, there's a little bit of ego when someone's asking you and wants to do something with you, you're kind of like, wow, maybe I'm, maybe I'm actually getting to where I thought because I've got more people. And so you start maybe accepting people into your circle or, or doing something with people because of self-worth. Right. And then that's when slowly you start realizing like, okay, these people are takers. They're just taking from me or, you know, where they're full of shit or whatever the case may be. And then you start realizing like, okay, I need to, I need to punch out of this situation. So that's my, you know, ego and pride is a very big success inhibitor I've learned. And I've learned that, you yeah, know, yeah. it's it, sometimes it's nice. It's nice to be wanted. It's nice to be liked. It's nice to be, people ask you to do things, but is it self-serving for them? And, and is it actually going to hurt me and my family and my time as a result? That's a brilliant, that's a brilliant barometer at the end of that. You know, is it going to impact me, my family, my wife, my kids um, for the good or bad and then make a decision from that? That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. All right. I got two final questions for you. Just two and that's it. Okay. Uh, first question. <clears throat> when, when Steve Sims is going in the ground or right before it and people are talking, what do you want to be known for? What do you want people to say about you, who you were? I want them to just say he kept his word and did what he said he was going to do. I, I don't know of any compliment better than that. That's old school East London, you know? Oh, that guy, he's a man of his word. You give him his word, he's golden. I always wanted to be that man that my word was, was golden. So that's all I want. Okay, that's good. Last question. Anybody, whether they're real or even imaginary, um, alive or dead, if you could have a, a whiskey with or drink or coffee, whatever your flavor is, uh, with someone, who would that be? And, and what would you talk to them about? 
So I've had that question before, so I know my answer has never changed. Hitler. You know what? I actually, I, okay, go ahead. I would like to have a conversation with Hitler to understand what he was so terrified of. You see, this is a man that went to war and did catastrophic damage to the planet to build the super race of blonde, blue-eyed Germans when he was a short brunette Austrian. He was building a master race that would eventually turn around and look at him and go, you're not one of us. Right. That didn't make sense to me. I would like to ask that question. That's a great point. I, you know, I've, I've had other people talk about it and I would agree with the statement that with the other people, that's a great point of, you know, he was a great mover of people. Whether, mm. look, he had a bad, like what he did was fucked up. I get that. You know, being Jewish, I get that. But I would say that, you know, you got to imagine this guy was able to move people from oh, yeah. death and despair to, to believing in something and believing in a movement. Cause that's, you know, whether there's a motorcycle gang or, or a gang or, or anything, people want to believe in a movement. They want to be a part of something. And he understood that. Get it. It wasn't for the best reason, but he understood that. And he got people to be a part of something. And if you can actually yep, yep. capture that quintessential part, you can and use it for good. You can be very successful, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, he was he was one of the best speak speak one of the best speakers out there. He knew how to drive a statement, how to fill it, uh, fill it with core and passion. And you're right to get people to move. And the daft thing is, psychopaths are actually some of the best people people in the planet because yeah. they know the tricks and traits that are going to get you to react and move. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. Well, Steve, look, I want to, again, I want to be very respectful of your time and I know you're busy and you probably got about 1500 people to call today or, or they're going to call you. So uh, I do want to thank you. And if somebody does want to find you, buy your books, stalk you on the internet, how do they do that? I'm very easy. I'm Steve D Sims, D for dashing, only one M in Sims, Steve D Sims, any way you consume your media. So if you want to visit me at my website, stevedsims.com, you can find out about Bluefish in the art of making things happen. Or just if you're on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, just throw in Steve D. Sims and that's me. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time. I really respect you. I've learned a lot about you and I've heard a lot about you. So I'm glad we finally got to meet. I'm sure when I'm in LA next time, I'm going to give you a call and we'll, we'll jump on some two wheels and head out for a little bit. Uh, so again, thank you for your time. For those of you watching, uh, thank you for uh, watching, listening, being a part of the High Stakes with Steve Rosenberg. We will be back next week with another amazing guest just like we had here today. We'll see you guys then. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please make sure that you like, you subscribe, and you share this out for other people. If you want to know more, just go to my website, steverosenberg.com. I'd love to meet you and learn more about what you're doing.